Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you'll hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, guest host Bobby Schuler talks with author, speaker, and pastor Ben Corson. They discuss how you can get past your past and walk into this new year with hope. Welcome to Praise. We are so, so glad that you are joining us tonight, this evening, wherever you are around the world. I just believe that God has a word for you tonight. It's an exciting time. We're going into a new year. Of course, we are always facing challenges and different things, but at the same time, we're full of hope that God is up to something good, not, any, not only in whatever country it is you're in, not only in America, but in your life. And we believe that God is up to something good very soon for you. And my hope is that by watching this program, you, you begin to expand your vision. You, 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 as you're watching this, you're full of hope, full of joy. And I can't think of some, anybody better to join me and talk about vision, about the future, than my guy, Ben Corson, the Bobby, great and powerful. How are you, man? Man, we become good friends. And, and honestly, you're, you're a world changer. The impact that you're having on our generation, it's really profound. And us getting to team up with TBN, which is the powerhouse, That's right. we're so thankful. And you know what's really interesting? This last year has been brutal for us. Most people say it's the worst year of, it's like the, 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 a lot of times when an athlete's very powerful or very talented, you say that's a generational talent. Like Antonio mm-hmm. Brown, he's in a, he's a, he's a generational talent. Well, this has been a generational bad year. 2020 has been a generational yeah. bad year. And even where I live in Oregon, Kate Brown, the governor said that the wildfires was the worst cause of loss of life and property in Oregon's history with 36 wildfires raging through the state. We've had more people die from coronavirus. We've seen chaos and political divisiveness during the election and racism and social unrest. And so I'm so thankful that we get to devote this show to declaring that 2021 is going to be a year of hope. It's not going to be a year of mope. It's going to be a (laughs) year of hope. Amen. And how many, it is funny though, because I think of in 2019, all of the people, like all the pastors like 2020, fresh vision and 2020 (laughs) is like new you. And like, so it's almost like we got our safety on now where you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, can we be hopeful? Can we be positive? But the, I mean, obviously we still have lots of challenges and things we have to face, but of course we can. And of course you still could have gone into 20, you know, 2020 wasn't a terrible year for everybody. Mm -hmm. Some people did very well in 2020. Some people grew a lot in 2020. Some, some families got better in 2020. And, and no matter, I, I, you know, it's so important to remember that no matter what is happening around me, God is up to something in my life. Like God's up yeah. to something in your life and in, in your life. And that's an important perspective, yeah. isn't it? That, it is. That we don't have to, you don't have to allow what's going on around us to affect what's going on inside of us. You're right. And 2020 is in the past. It's in the past. And we've had all this chaos go uh, going on around us. But I always say just because bad things are happening around us doesn't mean they need to happen inside us. We can't control what happens to us, but we can control what comes through us. God never does anything to us. He only does things for us. And if God's going to do something for us, he's first got to work something in us. So um, I believe, actually, this was an old, ancient, stoic philosophy. Marcus Aurelius talked about this because I love reading dead people. But he said, basically, the soul's movement is within itself, which means nothing can touch my soul without me giving permission. Yeah. So our hope is not dictated by the vicissitudes of our circumstances, but rather our circumstances will actually be dominated and dictated by our hope. So I believe our hope can cause us not just to be creatures, but creators of our circumstances in this new year. 
Yeah, and of course, hope is, it's like, it is so important that we're hopeful people, especially, it's, it's interesting to think of hope as like a, like a ministry. Like, I like to be around hopeful people, not people that are necessarily like, you know, d- in denial, but mm-hmm. like someone like you, Ben, I mean, you're so hopeful. Like, I feel like even though you've gone through so much and you're always facing challenges, there are certain people um, who just, when you get around them, it's like contagious. And I want to be that to other people. You know what's, and, and you are, Bobby, and C.S. Lewis put it this way. He called it in his generation, the gaiety of battle, which in his day, that meant the joyfulness or jubilee of battle. For young men to go to war, it's actually joyful and exciting in the Renaissance, because he was a master of Renaissance and like that era of history. And there's something joyful about saying to the enemy, bring it on. Bring it on. You have not been able to beat me yet. Bring on the next thing. You're not going to be able to beat me now. And then suddenly you become invincible and you're made of Kevlon or Teflon, Kevlar or Teflon. You're dusted with Teflon and you're, you're indomitable. And that's why Paul, this is beautiful, Bobby. He used this super superlative, which is a fancy Greek phrase for uh, when he said, you are more than conquerors in Greek. It's literally, you are super over conquerors. Overcomers. That's literally, we don't translate it that way because it doesn't sound right. We should right. create the word. We should, but that's literally what's happening in the yeah. Greek. It's super over overcomers. So if we live that way, then the, if, if we really believe that, then we're going to live indomitably. And here's the thing about Paul. Paul said those who are in Christ, and this is so important for you to know going into 2021, are a new creature. This is a new year. That word for new that Paul used in Greek is literally, um, when he said new creatures, it's literally new species. So you went from a homo sapien to a hopo sapien, from like Saul to Paul, from an ain't to a saint, from like a mope generator to a hope generator. You become something entirely new. And, uh, and, and that gives me hope that, yeah. that the Lord doesn't, he doesn't say he makes all new things. It says he makes all things new. Yeah. He doesn't just scrap the old and start over and say, well, yeah. Ben made a mess of things. I'm gonna destroy him and create somebody else. No, he can take the same old me and do something new with it. You know, there is something, you talked about the joy of battle or the gaiety of battle, uh, but I often think about like, well, what about like all those soldiers that come back with shell shock and post-traumatic stress, Mm -hmm. you know? I think a lot of people right now are sitting at home and we've come through this year, it's still winter, there's still difficulties around us and a lot of people don't want any more battle. A lot of people have been fighting. True all year, some for, for years, they're not, they're not like getting all excited about the fight coming up. And what do we say? I mean, like as a pastor, there is something important about just letting go or even learning from, from the past. What, what do you say to people who are just feel like so, man, there's so many people that just feel so beat up and scarred and like yeah. they finally are just getting a, a, a chance to breathe. We're not soldiers from nine to five, friends. And I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm a hope dealer, <laughs> yeah, okay? So I right. just wanna let you know, I'm a, I'm a hope dealer. So I'm about joy and hope and peace, but this is gonna be some tough love right now because this is what helps me. Like even I said during yeah. our last episode a month or two ago, I was talking about how I love like training with my SEAL friend because it's like, I like yeah. a drill sergeant. Uh, I like somebody who's actually gonna yell at me sometimes. Absolutely. It helps me. And I just wanna tell you, friends, we did not wake up on a cruise ship. We woke up on a battleship. We have to go Navy SEAL Team 6, DEFCON 1, 
MI5 Green Beret Paratrooper Lone Survivor Marcus Luttrell American Sniper Chris Kyle Seal of <laughs> yeah. God Chad Williams Heroic Stoic Joyful Soldier Happy Warrior Fight a Good Fight Wage a Good Warfare Go Hunt Some Demons I, I believe we have to have this mindset that we're wrestling not with flesh and blood but principalities and powers so because we're not waking up to a playground but a battleground we're not soldiers from 9 to 5 yeah. and so when we realize that we're not going to catastrophize and say oh my goodness why is this stuff happening no, we're, we're not surprised by anything that comes our way. We're conquerors. We're warriors. That's our identity. We're so glad that you're joining us on Praise tonight. And if you're ready to get your vision up, ready to get your faith up, then keep watching. I'm with Ben Corson. Ben, when we talk about going to fight the battle mm -hmm. and do these things, sometimes it can feel like you're saying to people, just try harder. Yeah. You know, and... And I, I remember hearing Henry Nowen, he had this reflection where he was saying like, man, the world is so competitive and he was like on a subway in New York and he was looking around, he was talking about all these words that were around him, that there were images that were speaking to him. And there was one image that was like, spend all your money and come visit me or others that were even saying like, have sex with me or the, the, all of these, you know, gratifying fleshy images mm -hmm. on a subway that also sort of made him feel like I'm not enough, you know, like yeah. I'm not successful enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good looking enough, I'm not young enough, I, I haven't achieved what I wanted to achieve. Mm. And um, sometimes it's really good to get geared up and just, just be like, I'm gonna go after right. that. But there is something too, as a pastor you'd say about, about being at peace with where God has us right. now, right? I mean. Yeah, and, and I think if, like I, I'm very energetic. So yeah, yeah, I people, am too, sure. You, you are too, you are too. So people can watch us talking and they're like, well, they're just psyched about this. They're yeah. just happy, joyful people. But what about me? I'm tired. I feel, I feel jaded. I feel worn out. This is what Isaiah says. Even the youths grow weary and tired, mm -hmm. but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. I want to remind you, the Lord has already won the victory. Spoiler alert. He wipes all tears off of your face. He is that at the place of the skull with the with the crown of thorns on his skull, he crushed the skull of the serpent. Genesis 3:15, the Proto-Evangelion. He's already won the victory. Bobby, I've actually never talked about this before in a sermon or on TV or anything, but when you were talking, you gave me this idea. When you're depressed, a lot of times you don't want to get out of bed because you're so buried under all the things that you ha you know you have to accomplish yeah. and all the battles you know you have to fight and you're like I'm so overwhelmed, I'm not even gonna start. Yeah. If, however, you've already accomplished all your goals in the day, does it ever make you say, I might just accomplish one more little goal? Because it's like a cherry on top of the cake. Like, Absolutely. I already did it, I'm, I'm, I'm operating from a place of victory, so I might as well just maybe go the extra mile, which is yeah. never crowded. And I think when we have that theology of the Lord has already won the victory, then we're gonna wanna fight harder and more excited because we know that he's already got the That's battle right. covered. And here's what Jesus said, my, this is huge. I tell people this all the time. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when people are like, brother, I have a burden to lay on you. It's heavy and it's difficult to tell you. I'm like, no, thanks. They say, why not? Well, because Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden's light and you're laying a burden on me that's heavy and difficult. So I always tell people, if your walk with God is difficult, if it's heavy and if it's not light, you're doing it wrong. He already won the victory. Let him do all the heavy lifting for you. Yeah, I, and, and of course, when we say Jesus has won the victory, it's easy to hear that means you know, he's won the victory over sin and I'm gonna go to heaven when I die, which is 100% true. That's the most important victory he's won. But we also mean that Jesus has won the victory for that new job you need. 
that 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 that's good that fix in your marriage that that relationship with your grandkids the, the the tension you have with you know your your enemy that lives across the street god sorted that out like god sorted out the issue right. with you and your stalker you yes. know and that he did he's one that well i mean i'm just saying like yeah, well can i tell you something okay about that? all right this, this stalker that i was telling you about <laughs> he, he stalked my dad too when i was a kid and now he t he has never been able to shut down one event yeah. And that's, I mean, it's funny. They really hit me when you said that. Cause I'm like, I was really, it really got to me for a hot minute there. I'm like, yeah. he's going to shut down my events and he's never been able to one time because God got the victory. You know, and that's, that's it is at least in my life, there have been things I've grinded away at. And I was like, I need to make this thing happen, especially in ministry. And it just never seems to go the right way. And then the things that go really well is the stuff that God sort of like, I'm ready for it. Mm -hmm. I'm prepared. All that failure I went through made me strong enough to be ready for this thing. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, I feel like I'm assisting Jesus. Like mm -hmm. Jesus is the one doing the ministry and I'm assisting him. Yeah. Jesus is there the one go. working through yeah. my marriage and I'm, yeah. I'm walking with go. him. Jesus is working mm -hmm. with my stalker, you know? You're right, that's <laughs> true. And, and that's why the priests in the Old Testament were not allowed to wear wool. They could only wear linen because wool makes you sweat. And God didn't want the priest to sweat in his Is presence. Is that really the reason? Well, I might be using some metaphorical license. But what if, yeah. But, but I think that, but I yeah, do think that's a part of it is wool is itchy, wool makes you sweat. Yeah. And, and God, God's like, I want it linen, cool. I want it to be light. I don't want yeah. you to have to sweat like a meritocracy to earn my presence. Yes, that's and, right. And you know, so even when, and I just want to address you right to camera, like even when you're weak, that's when the Lord is the most strong in your life and you, you, you see it, you see a strength in your life the most, I should say. So there was this psychologist named Alfred Adler at the turn of the 20th century did this study where he was researching art students and he found that 70% of the art students that he studied had optical anomalies, which means they had eye problems. And he found that the greatest composers like Mozart and Beethoven had ear degeneration. They had problems with their ears. Hmm. And he, he's, he thought, why are the art students and the composers, why do the art students have problems with their eyes and the best composers problem with their ears. And he found out something called compensatory ability, that when you're weak in a certain area, you have to pour so much focus into the area of your weakness that you overcompensate and it becomes your greatest strength. So Mozart and Beethoven have problem hearing, so they have to listen extra carefully. They put so much compensatory focus into that, that it becomes their strength. So when Paul said, when I am weak, then am I strong? That's how the Lord works. We become like who we hang out with. And the Bible says, that the Lord is the strong one. So the weaker I am, the more I, ha I have to hang out with the strong one and depend on him. And the more I hang out with him, the more his strength rubs off on me. Therefore, the stronger I become. So when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And actually the area of my weakness can become my strength. So even if you feel like you're not a warrior, good news, where you're weak, he's strong. I think that's a great word, Ben. I've seen that. I think it's true with cooks too. I feel like a lot of cooks like have super flavor. Like they could, yeah. they, I don't know why. Right, right. you're Do probably you see, right. I don't know any culinary or chef facts about that, but I'm sure you're right. You ever watched Hot Ones, which is like, there's this guy on YouTube and oh, yeah, he yeah. does like yeah, of course. spicy chicken wings I've and course. he gets like celebrities on. Yep, Shia LaBeouf. And, yep. and he gets different, he had Gordon Ramsay on and here's from Hell's Kitchen, you know, and Gordon Ramsay was like, seemed to be the person who you'd think cooks would be able to handle spicy food, but he seemed to be the guy that got, you know, nailed the wow, most by the spicy. Wow, that's interesting. But anyway, it is true. That's isn't it? interesting, it's like yeah. The, peop the people who struggle to hear focus on hearing more, they become great at music, that your weakness does become your strength. I think, I think what we really, as, as pastors, 
the thing we want people to hear is finding this balance between having a big vision, having huge dreams, taking big risk, having lots of faith, while at the same time being at peace with who I am, not needing those things to feel like I'm a better person, not needing those things mm -hmm. to feel like I'm a better disciple. Mm -hmm. In ministry, it's so hard. It I is. mean, when you look at like the si church attendance, you know, media, and it's like everybody compares up, right? Nobody's ever like, you know, in life, nobody compares down. So, and we, and the, the truth is, we just shouldn't compare in general. Well, we I've never just, I've never heard that before. That was good that you true. said that you said no one compares down. We only nobody compare does. Up. I mean, and there's actually studies that show this that financially, people don't compare themselves to poor people. Like it's funny how like when we talk about the one percenters in America, mm -hmm. I, it seems like that language has died out. One percent in America, I forget what it is, but one percent in the world is something like $28,000 a year. So if you compare yourself to everybody in the world and you make more than $28,000 a year, now you're a bad guy, you're a one percenter, you know? But nobody does that. I you know. know, and you so know what's it, gnarly? It, there was a study that came out that's, that showed that people would rather be poorer as long as they're richer than their neighbor yeah. than have more money if someone's more rich than them, <laughs> which and, is the whole social media and, age. And I, I think all of this really just points to a bigger issue. Mm -hmm. And that is that we, it's so easy to find our identity in what we have mm -hmm. and what we do on what we achieve, on what others say about us. And the Bible strictly says that so much of becoming a disciple, just letting go of that. You're right. And, and being at peace with who I am today, that God loves you, God loves you just as you are, not as you should be. He'll get you to where you need to be. That's right. That God, God, you know what's really weird is in the Bible, and I've even seen this as a testimony, God seems to often call people before he saves them. That's right. Or, or ask people to do things like before they become righteous. Like mm -hmm. it's almost like the purpose itself. Jesus called Peter a rock long before he was stable. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I was even listening to, and I know this, the jury's still out on this one, but listening to Kanye West. <laughs> I was listening to an interview with Kanye West, who seems to be like a full blown, legit Christian. I yeah. mean, he says he is. Who am I to yeah, say yeah, he's yeah. not? Of course, of course. And and it was interesting listening to this interview because he said that God, before he became a Christian, that God called him to create this church experience. That he felt like God called him to create this church experience, but he's still like living in sin and all this stuff. And he says about four months of doing this, that he then got saved and his life was turned around. Wow. Now, I, I, I'm not here to, to yeah. give merit or argue for or against or any of that, uh, and, but... I feel like as a pastor, I hear that story. Like I had a, I had a guy that when I was in high school, did I tell you the story? Maybe I didn't. He was our, a drug dealer in our school. He was no, like, he, he sold crystal meth in our school. And, <laughs> wow. and I led him to the Lord. Whoa. And, and because I, I, in high school, when, after I got saved, I just wanted everybody to get saved. And all the cool kids wanted nothing to do with me. So I went to like the low lifes and the scariest kids or and the people that are, out, and just preaching the gospel. And this kid, who was a drug dealer in our school, got saved. And for like a week, he followed me around and he started preaching the gospel to other people. And I was like, this is amazing. He's preaching the gospel to, to people. And the next day, it was like the next day after I heard him like share his faith with a couple students, he was behind the school selling crystal meth again. And I was like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. 
you were just preaching the gospel yesterday. And you know what his answer was to me? I've got to sell the rest of my stuff. I got to get my money back. <laughs> He's like, I got to sell the rest of my crystal meth to get my money back. And I was like, you can't do that. He was yeah. like, just trust me, I'll, I'll, I'll sell it and I'll be back. And in my mind, so anyway, like a week later, he was he sold it all. And believe it or not, the guy actually cleaned up his life. He never went back. Yeah, he didn't. Wow. So like, again, I'm rec not like, I, right, that's, right, of course, this of course. is a bad thing, you yeah, know? Yeah. But it's like, as a believer, I so want to be like, you're saved. You you can't mm -hmm. do that. And, and yet God well, who still. Is, who is the first missionary Jesus ever sent out? Uh, a demoniac. Oh, yeah? The guy cutting himself in the tombs at Gadara, he was cutting himself, and Jesus cast the demon out of him. We are legion, for we are many. Cast the demon out of him. And then, and then he said, can I follow you? And Jesus said, no. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, right. go, go to your family and friends and tell them what great yeah. things God's done for you. The, my dad always ta taught us this when I was growing up as a pastor's kid, is that the first missionary Jesus ever called was a guy who got freed of demon possession five minutes earlier. Isn't that powerful? Yeah, it is. Like the Lord doesn't qualify the called, or pardon me, the Lord doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. That's exactly what I'm saying, is that very often when we begin to do ministry, God begins to do the cleansing, the discipleship work in us. And it's very not that often, we're sinless, but we start no. to be, we start to sin I, but less. I, I've seen that even in my own life, mm -hmm. that if I'm like, obsessing about some vice or some issue in my life, especially back in the day, or, mm -hmm. or even some other issue. I mean, you, we were talking about, especially after 2020, how compulsive and depressive mm -hmm. behavior is so huge, bipolar, all this stuff like that people are just like, but when we start to just begin to do what God, not as perfect people, but just mm -hmm. being at peace with where we are in our journey and just begin, very often as we, I think, as we pursue God's calling for us, he begins to work out the vices in our life. You're right. We can be honest about it. We don't have to hide. But I, I think this is so important because, because there's so many people right now, I mean, everybody who feels like they want to do something great for God, it's always like, I'm not good enough. Every time I've ever gotten good at something, it's not because I learned about it first. It's because I just started doing it. Well, Bobby, the funny thing about that is I gave my first sermon, I've told you this before, in third grade. You did? Yeah, and then I, then I started traveling and speaking at 16. Yeah. And then I became a pastor my senior year, teaching at a mega church with people three times my age. Like two. Yeah. And I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Like, I look back on those sermons, and, and I actually, yeah. I'm like, I can't believe that people actually put up with that for a time. And But that's how you learn. You learn on the job. Well, I think but believers are so refreshed when they see children preaching or mm -hmm. when they see The young shall young lead people. them, Isaiah says. Absolutely. And I think that, I think that there is something inspiring about an imperfect person. So like when I said, I got good not by reading or by studying, but by doing. Yeah. I mean, I was a handyman at, at a ranch and I didn't know how to do anything. Mm -hmm. And the guy was like, build stairs. So I would like, and gave me a bunch of stuff. And so I like started trying to build stairs and he could be like, no, you're doing this. And so it's like, as I'm doing it, I'm learning. We all know that. Like all of us mm -hmm. learn the best in that way. And it's like, it's like so often we want to like get a degree yeah. first or you right. want to, it's like P sometimes, Picasso, and sometimes it's good, but sometimes I you know. just go, you know? Picasso said, I am always doing that which I cannot do that I may learn how to do it. Yeah. I love that. You kind of have to get over worrying about being embarrassed mm -hmm. or not being a. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. 
we're having an awesome conversation about how 2021 can be the best year God's ever had right. for you. And yes, we know you heard that in 2020. Mm -hmm. We know 2020 was hard. We know a lot of people are suffering right now. We still have challenges. But God is, is the type of God that likes to see us moving towards His, His call for our yeah. lives. And I believe that God wants you to wa watch this program. I think that, that Ben has a word from the Lord for you. And Ben, you know, when I think about life and about not settling all stuff and like being at peace, it is hard. I think one thing that people really want desperately is to know if God's speaking to me or not. Mm -hmm. Very often, you know, you have some key decision you need to make in life. You know, do I stay at my job or do I leave my job? Do I, do I go to school or not go to school? And you're like, Lord, speak to me. And, and what, I don't know if, the, if, if you have something I on do, your heart to speak I do. to this, but how do we know when it's God's voice or just me thinking? So a lot of times we're stuck at this intersection in these crossroads and we don't know what decision to make, what path to take. And whenever that happens, the Bible says in the book of Colossians, let the peace of God rule your heart. Now, what's interesting about that word rule is that literally, and, and a newer translation renders it this way, literally means in Greek, umpire. So back in the day, there were these officials in games. So you had the Pan-Ionian games in Ephesus, the Isthmian games in Corinth, the Olympic games in Athens, and these ruling officials would act as umpires and uh, referees. So they had them even yeah. thousands of years ago. And so it's like, how do you know what decision to make if you're at a crossroads? And Paul says, let the peace umpire. So, you, so I know this sounds Christianese to say, but you'll have a peace about it. You'll have a peace about it. And, and if, if the umpire's saying safe, you'll have a peace. I'm safe to make this decision. If the umpire's saying out, and you just have a, I'm sounding really Christianese now, a check in your heart where you're like, man, this, I'm, gonna get, I'm getting called out on the carpet here. The umpire, the peace is saying, don't go there. So in other words, Psalm 37 says, pursue peace. Pursue the peace not just in our relationships with people as that's talking about, but also in our own heart. And one of the ways you can know which way to go is by following the peace. Now, people can take this out of context and say, I have a peace about robbing 7-Eleven. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. Using common sense. The Bible talks about Sophia, which is lofty wisdom, but also phronesis, which is sound judgment. So you use sound judgment, but ultimately with those gray issues, the peace will, will umpire your heart. Yeah, and yeah, and so, so much of it is like, I, I, there have been so many times where I, I didn't know what to do, and Hannah, my wife, would be like, have you prayed about it? Like, have you just taken some right. time to go away with the Lord and to really think? And very often I do get, not clarity, but I do get peace. Mm -hmm. Did I tell you the story about Mother Teresa? There was a guy who went to, to see Mother Teresa, and she said, how can I pray for you? And he said, pray that God will give me clarity. And she said, no. He said, he said, what do you mean no? She said, I, she said, clarity is the last thing you're holding on to. God never promises us clarity. That's right. I'm going to pray that you'll have faith. Trust and don't lean on your understanding. Yeah. Very often we want clarity, you know, God, when we want clarity about where's, where's all this going? And God doesn't promise us that. Wow. He says, just, just trust you're me. You're going to like this, Bobby. So Mother Teresa was doing, it was interviewed by Dan Rather. And uh, Dan Rather uh, uh, said, you know, when you talk to God, what does he say? Mm -hmm. Or pardon me, she, he said, Dan Rather said, when you, when you talk to God, what do you say? She said, oh, I don't say anything when I pray. I just listen. Yeah. So Dan Rather said, okay. So when God talks to you when you pray, what does he say? And she said, he doesn't say anything. 
he listens. And Dan Rather was rather confused. He yeah. didn't understand. And she said, if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. And I just picture that Psalm 42 idea of deep calls into deep. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there, there's a time for talking intentionally to God. Science shows the frontal lobe of the brain activates into its highest intellectual capacity when you talk intentionally to God and be very specific. But then there's other times where it's just deep calling into deep. There's not clarity. Mm -hmm. There's just trust. There's not understanding. There's just faith. It's yeah. spirit testifying with spirit, as the book of Romans says. Yeah. And there's a lot of power in that mystical form of prayer as well. Well, I do. I mean, I do. And I love Mother Teresa. But I do think God, God for sure speaks to people and calls people. I think of it more as like, like in Luke chapter 10 and 11. You know, Jesus tells his disciples to go out and to proclaim the coming of the kingdom. And he says, don't bring anything with you. Mm -hmm. To me, that's not clarity. That's super scary. Like mm -hmm. you're just going to go out with no money no extra cloak, you're gonna go randomly to places, you're gonna preach, and, and like, that's pretty scary. And later on in Luke, he, he says, remember back when I gave you, you know, I told you not to bring anything and not to have anything? And they said, yes. Yep. And, they, and it was like, did you ever lack? And they said, never, never, Lord, we never lacked. And we had power over demons and darkness. And, and, and that's what I think so much of the life of the disciples is like, God is, will say, I think God will say stuff like, you know, maybe go apply for this, I don't know, or, yeah, yeah. or maybe get, begin to put a dream in our heart about a ministry or about, you know, a new relationship or a, some big change in our life, but not clarity as far as like where this is going to go. Or how, and I think that's, that's sort of the important thing. It's like, almost like, um, I almost, for my, my life, I feel like it's a bit like sort of just holding God's hand. Yeah, and, you know, and in 2021, if we're trying to map out the whole thing, we're yeah. going to be in trouble. Jesus said, and I, this is going to be kind of controversial, but I'm just going to do it. Okay, Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. And I know in Marimnan, you point out how it means to tear apart, which I love, or it can yeah. be worrisome, anxious, foreboding about the future. But at the same time, like, we, our problem is not that we you know, need to take more thought for the future. We are the only, I've said this before, Bobby, but we're the only species that thinks about the future and has 401ks. No other species <laughs> do. Like I asked my mom, I have a Persian cat with like a smushed looking face, amazing little cat. I named him Fridge. And I said, like, what does Fridge live for? And she said, he just lives to see what's happening out the window, to sit in the sunlight, to take a nap. Yeah. And Jesus was onto something there when he said, what, this, this is a controversial thing I want to say. What if in this new year, you just practiced not thinking about tomorrow? Because I, I bet for most of you, you got the planning thing down, okay? The Bible obviously talks about planning and all that, but we always add that opt-out clause, B clause, and stipulation. Well, yeah, plan and everything. We've got that down. I just want to encourage you to practice. Give no thought for tomorrow. Because every philosopher, metaphysician, every great leader, thinker, speaker, Jesus himself, they, they taught that true happiness and joy is being present to the moment. And I think this bears repeating. Jesus thought it bears repeating. He said five times in one chapter, Matthew 6, don't worry, don't take thought for tomorrow. If he has to say something five times in one chapter, we should probably listen. And the same goes for the past, friends. Not only not giving thought for the future, but the, the problem is we crucify ourselves between two thieves, worry for the future and regret of the past. And, and both the future and the past have no material existence other than what's happening in our own brains. Like Mark Twain said that I've had a great many troubles, most of which have never happened because the future of our reality yeah. is seldom as bad as the future of yeah. our fears. It's, a good it's illusory. 
And so it has no material existence other than what you're projecting might happen, which you're probably going to be wrong, or stuff that has happened in the past, which is nothing more than a memory in your brain. So being present in the moment, that's why Paul said this, as you're launching into this new year, we have to get past our past 2020, launch into something new. The Bible says that God does a new thing. This is what Paul said. He said, forgetting what lies behind, just as Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, I reach forward to what lies ahead, pressing on for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now that phrase pressing on in Greek is epic tine ominos. And it was a racing term. And it was used of a runner who runs hard for the finish line. Just like track stars, they stick out their chest at the finish line. That's how we have to go into this new year. Not worried about what might come, forgetting about what lies behind Epictine Ominos, reaching forward to the new thing God wants to do in 2021 and being present to the moment, taking no thought for the morrow. I think that's gonna give us a lot of joy in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. For sure it will. And I, I also think when, when we talk about when we talk about not thinking about tomorrow, it's good to replace that with, well, what do we think about? You know, because I think I think very often it's like, if I said to you, like, mm. don't think of a purple oh, elephant, of course. you know, don't think about a plane doing flips through the sky, you know, like it's the only thing you can think of, you know? I actually met someone who claimed that they could do that. And I'm like, I don't believe you. Do what now? Like you say, don't think about a purple elephant. They no, could not. not. <laughs> That's a very special, your yeah. friend Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, I'm sure I know. I'm like, I don't believe but, it. But, but Jesus doesn't tell us don't worry about tomorrow. He doesn't say just that. But he says, but seek first the kingdom and his there righteousness, is. right? So, so what we're doing is instead of worrying about tomorrow, worrying, I think when we worry about tomorrow, we're worrying about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if we worry about the kingdom, then God will worry about us or something. It's almost mm -hmm. like if we, not maybe worry is the wrong word, but it's like, if we are just seeking after God with all our heart. Just love him and, and do the best we can to, I think, I know this might sound silly, but even like making sure like when we're in the car, listening to worship music and mm -hmm. making times to dig into his word and making times, like making church a priority. Like a lot of people, a lot of Christians feel like church isn't a priority. It's a huge priority. You should, and, and church, I saw one pastor say like, Sunday morning decision. Sunday morning attendance is a Saturday night decision. Like, mm -hmm. we we need to make you know that one hour of the week being be, like, if if we're not doing those things, if we're not doing the smallest things to make sure that the kingdom of God is present in our mind and hearts, then we're gonna. Of course, we're gonna worry. You know, you know? what Jesus said? It's really strange passage. He said, in light of what you're talking about, Bobby, that when a demon gets cast out of a man if he does not fill the room of his heart, then seven demons worse than the first are gonna find it well swept and cleaned and they're gonna invade the heart. Yeah. And, and this is true even on a psychological level. Like if you don't replace one habit with a new habit, you're not gonna get over the old habit. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about don't think about the past, don't think about tomorrow. It's we need to put our thoughts on things above. Absolutely. Not just emptying our mind like a nirvana of placidity, nothingness, but rather filling our minds with everything true, noble, lovely, just, Absolutely. pure, virtuous, and praiseworthy as Philippians says. And, and when we do that, then we become that new person. That's right. Where we don't worry because we're strong. We don't worry because God's made us strong. He's made us a new person. You know, when, when you feel strong, when you feel safe, you don't worry. 
And that's the result of God making you into a completely new person, which, mm -hmm. which has to come from us pursuing after God yeah. with all our heart, like really going after him. Yeah. Not a little bit, but with all our heart. It's so glad you're joining us. And it's such an awesome time to be with Ben Corson. We're talking about uh, how this year, I and mean, we're just going in, a lot of people have goals and dreams. A lot of people are coming out of 2020 feeling wounded, feeling beat up and battered. And, uh, and we've talked a lot about not worrying and about like having faith and big vision. I think there's also something to say with, maybe the word is tinkering. Mm -hmm. Like, is it a, like, I, I think that a lot of people are, don't feel like a lot of times, don't you think Ben, that we spin our wheels when we feel like God's called us to do something to some purpose. We spin our wheels trying to plan everything perfectly. There's kind of this paralysis of analysis as the, yeah, as the cliche goes. And, and, and maybe we have a lot of knowledge, but we just don't do anything. Mm -hmm. There is such a value in failing. There's such a value in, because failure is always the result of attempting something and each failure gets you closer to mm -hmm. something. Like I remember when I started at the Hour Power, I decided I was gonna make it this, basically like a talk show. And I was gonna, and it was gonna be all these on-site and we were shooting in like red cameras and we we're doing all this stuff. And it was super expensive. It was like my baby and, and this big dream. And it, it was a colossal failure. And the reason is going into our power, I didn't understand that what people really wanted was in this case, a televised worship service. People yeah. just wanted to, wanted a live worship service, which yeah. was so much easier than what I was right, currently right. doing. And that was God's vision. But I didn't really, I didn't take time to figure out why does our power help so many people? But even though that was such a failure and it was really embarrassing that it yeah. didn't, didn't work well, it helped me understand, okay, God has called me to create right. an amazing live worship service. So even though that was a mistake, I'm grateful that I made that mistake in a yeah. way because now as the leader, I've been able to hone in on what we're really good at. Yeah. And so many, so, so many times people are either super embarrassed by some mistake they made. Yeah. People just, sometimes people just need to take a step, don't they? Yeah, I think sometimes we get so paralyzed. We're like, I don't know what to do. Do I take path A or B? And people get so paralyzed, they don't do anything. And inaction yeah. is really the order of the day. So yeah. what do you do when you just feel paralyzed and you're not making any decision? Well, we have to remember that Babe Ruth struck out 1,330 times. James Dyson tried to create a vacuum and it took him 5,127 prototypes to get there. You look at somebody like Pablo Picasso who created 50,000 works of art and he only had 100 that were masterpieces, which is a very small ratio. Uh, Thomas Edison, he failed at perfecting the light bulb a thousand times before he actually got there. And Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. Yeah. That was, that's a quote. That's amazing. So I'm just saying a lot of times when, uh, I mean, Abraham Lincoln lost an embarrassing eight elections and couldn't get into law school. So, but they yeah. did something. And sometimes you just got to step out and do something. Yeah. The Bible, uh, the Bible encourages us, I believe, as William Carey said, to attempt great things for God and expect great things from God and fail forward. Here's what I mean. There's this story in the Bible of Paul who was about to go to Jerusalem. He was dead set on going and scholars to this day disagree as to whether he made the right choice because he ended up getting arrested in Jerusalem and ultimately beheaded by Caesar Nero. And so there was this prophet named Agabus who took Paul's, Paul's belt off his waist and bound his wrists with the belt. And he says, whoever owns that belt will be apprehended and taken into prison in Jerusalem. Paul said, nevertheless, none of these things move me. And he went anyways. Now that led to his imprisonment and death. Was it the right decision or the wrong decision? 
who really cares? The guy changed the world yeah. because he was a man of action. Mm -hmm. And I think 2021 needs to also be a year of action. Yes, contemplation, but on top of that, action. And I think that's where sound wisdom comes from. Yeah, the, and, and that's actually where learning comes from. Mm -hmm. Like, I think sometimes we get it reversed. Like, I gotta learn everything and then I can go do it. Yeah. But at least in my experience, like that's such a Western way of thinking about something. It's like, you gotta learn everything and then you can go do it. Like only in the West could you, could like, the, I remember re reading the story about a guy who got an A in ethics and was convicted of rape. So like in the West, we're like, of course. Wow. Because the two are not related. Yeah. So, but in the East, you know, like in, a, in Jewish culture or something, you, you, th those two things are absolutely of connected that, that to get an A in, in ethics means you're a good person. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that being good at anything comes from doing it, from getting out there and you know what? starting Plato, something. Plato was once accused of gross misconduct, right? Speaking of the ancient Near East as juxtaposed against the Western society. And he said, in, instead of fighting these false accusations, he said, the only way to prove these accusations wrong is to live such a good life that they know we're being lied about. And I love yeah, that idea. Yeah. It's like, there comes a time where you just through action, you flesh out this goodness. There's another story of Teddy Roosevelt when there was an anti-Semitic German preacher coming to New York who was racist against Jewish people. And so the Jewish people came to Teddy Roosevelt when he was governor of New York, and they said, you can't let this German speaker come to New York. He's anti-Semitic, he's racist. And Roosevelt said, no, we'll make a martyr of him if we ban him. So instead, Teddy, this is one of his most genius moves of his career. He, he, he surrounded this German anti-Semitic preacher with tons of police officers to keep him safe. But here's the kicker. All the police officers were Jewish. <laughs> So, That's brilliant. So, so the guy <laughs> was protected by Jewish people, even though he was racist against the Jews. And this is what yeah. Roosevelt said. We're not going to ban him and make a martyr out of him. We're going to make him look so ridiculous like that nobody will listen to what he says. And honestly, that's what Jesus taught us. He didn't say, let the world hear your good words. He said, let, the, let your light so shine that they may see your good works. Sometimes just simple action is the way to go. Because yeah. if you're like me, I overthink. I don't know if you're watching and yeah. you have a problem with overthinking. Sometimes you got to stop being paralyzed by overthinking and just step out and take that action. I, I just, I'm so can I say something that might be sacrilegious? I'm more impressed with Peter walking on water than Jesus walking on water. Oh, well, of course. You know, because like, yeah, that like makes sense. Jesus is God, you know, like he walked on water. But when Peter, and Peter failed at walking on water. He did. But it's still super impressive to me because, you know, in, in, in Jesus' day, to be a disciple means to do everything the rabbi does. Mm -hmm. So the rabbi, you know, if you walk behind a rabbi. Covered in the dust of the rabbi. Totally, yeah. You, you walk in his footsteps, you memorize everything that he says, you tell his jokes, there's stories of left-handed rabbis and all their, their disciples have to write left-handed. I mean, yeah. stuff like that. And so when Jesus is walking on water as disciples, they're thinking, we gotta walk on water. Cause they've, they've already like cast out demons and they perform miracles. And the, the Sea of Galilee is like supposed to be the gate of hell and all this stuff. The so, abyss, they believe. Yeah, it was the, ga the gate, to, the or a gate yeah. to Hades and that there's yeah. a Leviathan and all this, yeah, of course. all this stuff. So Peter, despite all of that, gets yeah, out of the boat and I don't know. To me, I think that's a, it's such a great image that that the, that faith really is that, that that we do. It's like just keep doing it. Just it's like keep failing. I keep almost failing. Really just keep failing. Fail forward. And you know yeah. what's interesting is when Peter walked on water. So Jewish people were afraid of the ocean. 
They believed that still water was the place of the abyss. That's why in Revelation, John says there's no ocean. To surfers who live in California, they're like, that's a bummer. No, you gotta get the apocalyptic imagery. To John, that's good news. There's no more Leviathan. There's no more abyss. In fact, they believe that in the consummation of the kingdom, the Messiah was gonna cook Leviathan for, it was pretty wild. But could you imagine the Messiah cooking Leviathan slabs on the barbecue? I bet that's never been said on a TV show before. (laughs) But basically, so when Peter walked out onto the still water, they, they believed that was the abyss. And the fact that he stepped out in spite of all the fear and lore and mythology. And in fact, when Jesus said to the storm, be still, and it says he rebuked it, that word rebuke in Greek is the same word used of him rebuking demons. So the same power that he had over Satan, he had over the storm. That's a a great insight. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't tell the sea to be, I mean, he does say be still, but he, but he does, says he rebuked, he rebuked it. it. He yeah, rebuked it. He rebuked the sea. And it's the same thing he did to demons. Yeah, and so, interesting. and so Peter just, he, he didn't overthink. He simply, le- I think leaping before looking is sometimes, I, I, like I said, I like to jump off things. And yeah. when people stand on a rock too long and they overthink, yeah. they're stuck up there for two hours tormenting themselves. Totally. If you just jump at a certain point, there's power there. And here's the thing, 11 of the disciples could brag, we didn't sink but only one walked on water. And I believe that's how the promises of God are, Bobby, that they seem as unstable as liquid, like there's no way they're gonna hold you up. It's only when you take action and step out on those promises that what seems as unstable as water, the Bible calls it the water of the word, will actually be as firm as concrete. Our rock is not like their rock. Amen, amen. Well, maybe that's a word for you today. Maybe there's something before you. It's interesting when we get in these positions where we're not at peace with anything. Have you ever been that way? Yeah. I'm not at peace with not taking the job. Yep. I'm not at peace with taking the job. Mm-hmm. I'm not at peace with not applying to school. I'm not at peace with applying to school. Maybe that means there's a third option, but I like to think in those situations, I like to, I like to lean, I like to favor action. Like if you don't have peace with either one, you got to pick one. Mm-hmm. If you have to pick one, pick the one where you're doing something. And what did Teddy Roosevelt do, say? Do you agree with that, by I, the way? I 100% okay. agree. All right. This is what Roosevelt said. He said, um, first of all, they, they, they've never made a statue of a critic that I'm aware of. Yeah. I, I, don't, sure. I don't think I know of one example where they yeah. did an archaeological dig or even yeah. in modern day culture and sure. made a statue of a critic. He, Teddy Roosevelt said this. It's, it's the classic quote. You know, It's the one who's in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and blood and sweat, who is not sitting with the cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat, but the one who dares and dares and dares again, that's the man who gets the credit, that's the hero. And I would rather be a hero who fails than a cold and timid soul that sits there and throws rocks and casts judgment. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Ben. I appreciate that so much. And I think there are people at home right now that are still feeling, we talked about this at the beginning of this program, feeling guilty. Mm -hmm. They feel like, you know, I fell back into whatever it is, drugs and alcohol again, or I fell back into that bad relationship, mm-hmm. or I feel like I lost my faith, or I turned my back on God. Or there's a lot of people who are just say, they, they've never watched TV before, and they're yeah. just like, I feel something stirring. How do I, how do I become a part of this journey? Yeah. For people that are at home, can you give them an opportunity yeah. to become a disciple of Jesus mm-hmm. today? Tell them how to do that. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of times shame comes on us because people criticize us for taking action. It's been said, if you walk on water, speaking of this whole thing, if you walk on water, 
uh, people will criticize you and say, oh, you just walked on water because you don't know how to swim, right? So a lot of times there's shame and criticism that comes on us from people, but also from the enemy. The Bible says that the enemy, the diabolos, it literally means slander or prosecuting attorney. It's a judicial term who's accusing the brothers day and night before the throne. And maybe you just feel this guilt and this shame and this condemnation. Here's what the Bible says. There is no condemnation. When? When you're in the Lord, just as a fish is in the sea or a bird is in the air or a root is in the soil. So to the Bible over and over uses this phrase, we are in Christ. When you are in this dimension where you live, move and have your being in the Lord, when you follow after him and put your faith in him, you can simply start with faith. That saves you, of course, that rescues you, but then you're encouraged to not have faith and works, but show faith that works because the word belief comes from the Germanic origins by life, belief. What you believe will come out by your life. So start with faith, put your faith in the Lord, and then that will come out by your life. It's not faith and works. James teaches essentially and effectively it's faith that works. And what you believe will come out in your life. So I want to encourage you to believe in God's grace through faith in hope and you can be his disciple right now. Yeah, make a decision today. I mean, so often we wait, we talk about taking action. Mm -hmm. Make a decision today, stop riding the fence, choose life, choose the Lord, and watch him transform your life. Uh, any final words for people at home that are, that are watching, just some last encouragement? Yeah. I want to encourage you that just because 2020 was a rough year for the majority of people, that 2021 has something new in store. Are there going to be new battles? Yes. But guess what? There's also going to be new victories. Take action because the Lord has already triumphed. So go into this new year going big and going home. You're going to go home to heaven one day. So put your thoughts on things above. Don't just empty your mind. Fill your mind. Don't just think about, oh, I'm going to try not to worry. I'm going to try not to regret. Fill your mind with hope. Fill your mind with the presence of God. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. Be a person of action and launch into 2021, expecting the kingdom to come here on earth, even as it is in heaven. Amen. Ben Corson, thank you so much. I love your message. I love just how hopeful and encouraging you are to people. You are a hope giver. And I, and we just need more pastors like you. You, you, you speak the truth. You, you, know, you, you, you challenge people. But at the end of the day, you're a hopeful person. I love your Instagram too, like you're skating and all that stuff. You still skate and all that? <laughs> oh, all, all the, the time. time. All the, yeah, I call it great. the Holy of Holies. Do you ever want to like skate around the set? Oh, I mean, this, this is, is perfect. like, The floor is perfect for it. Exactly. Maybe I'll have to do it next time That's in my right. suit too. That's right. Well, Ben, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. And um, for all of you watching at home, we just, from all of us here at TBN, we just want you to know that we love you so much, that God is for you, not against you. He's on your side. He loves you just as you are and your best days are ahead. We really, really believe that. And we want you to know we love you. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.